Hi everyone, Maggie here. It's been such a long time, but I promise mixing up with Maggie is back with a brand new season. We're kicking things off like in previous years during the month-long celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month celebrated here in the U.S., from September 15 to October 15. There are a few Latin American countries celebrating their independence this month, but I'd like to take the time to reflect on the accomplishment and contributions of Latinos in this country. However, even though we are the largest minority, we're dominating the music charts, we're one of the largest groups in manual labor workforces, and even Mattel has now released a Dia de los Muertos Barbie to appeal to our demographic, even though it's failing in its price point. Besides all of this, we are being told that we're not good enough to be here and that we need to go back where we came from. I have here my friend Crystal, whom you know from a previous episode, Scary Stories from Latin America, La Casa Matusita, to speak more on the immigration crisis and how she, as an independent Latinx filmmaker, is using her voice and skills to bring awareness and hope through the documentary Expanding Sanctuary. Crystal? Hi. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me back on. Um, I'm really excited to be here. Like Maggie said, I'm like a Latina documentary filmmaker. I'm based in Philly, and I'm working on kind of like my first longer documentary. It's going to be more like 30 minutes, and I've never done anything that long before. And it follows the Latinx immigrant community in in Philly and this uh, Latino immigrant rights organization called Juntos, and they had this campaign to end the sharing of the police database called PARS with Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, and they ended up winning. So I've been filming and working on this one for over two, for like two years now. It'll probably be finished at the end of two years. And really, I just want it to be like a success story because there aren't very many, you know, happy endings when it comes to immigration stories in the U.S., and I really wanted to change that. I didn't want to film anything sad, and I didn't. I didn't want to exploit a lot of the kind of tropes and stereotypes that people use when they talk about Latinx communities. So this is really a success story, and um, I want it to be kind of an empowering film. And definitely, I, I, I really gravitate towards what you said about the, the stories that are being told. They're on that negative side of things. And it's good to see that there is power in uniting and gathering information, doing all the, the, the paperwork and everything that is necessary to, to kind of uh, achieve the goal of the community. Um, I want to start off by asking you, since we are in the Hispanic Heritage Month, what does that mean to you? Do you do you do anything for that month? Or do you see actually being a celebration in this country? Or do you see it more of still like a maybe like a commercial thing or maybe kind of like Black History Month where it's something that is celebrated for a month and then people forget about it? Well, I, I don't like the name Hispanic. I don't identify as Hispanic and I, I don't like the use of that term so it that is kind of off-putting for me because there's a difference between hispanic and latinx and um hispanic is more like uh kind of even more like derived from iberian peninsula so like derived from like spain and i really don't like that i don't like the idea of having been colonized by spain and then now that's kind of implied in the name hispanic that doesn't feel comfortable to me i prefer latinx and I don't necessarily think that Hispanic Heritage Month is super commercial. At least I haven't seen it be super commercial. I think it's just something that maybe people 
I, I honestly like, don't really know a lot of the history behind it, but I'm sure it was kind of like a let's please all the all the Latinx communities and make this a holiday, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we have equality. So I, I think that this is something that um, you spoke about it before. I'm definitely going to link down below the episode that we did on scary stories from Latin America because you spoke extensively on the colonization and the effects that it still has on on both people still living in Latin America, but also the diaspora here in the United States. And you did speak about that before, so I'm going to put the link down below for that. The It came about because there's a few Latin American countries that have their Independence Day around the same time. And I think in order to, instead of having like separate celebrations, which is the way that it should be because everything, everybody's different, they kind of linked it all together. I know that there are some, there is not as commercialized, but I know that um, because maybe because I follow also like a lot of um, media that is, a, is um, Spanish speaking media that I see it all around. Like I know that um, in the major like Telemundo and Univision, for example, I know this time around they do put like this big logo or like they feature a story or things like that. So they do um, end up celebrating. But I do agree with you that um, in, in terms of the in terms of the name that everybody identifies as um, Hispanic because of the whole um, colonization and in the, in, in the history. Um, but since you seem to be really well-versed in this, and I know that you have a few projects like Sin Papeles and To My Motherland, um, they all seem to have a common theme. So tell me a little bit more about your inspiration for this, these types of stories, especially um, Expanding Sanctuary. I know that you spoke about, you know, you are you are based in Philly, so this is something that you're probably seeing every single day. But in, in general, when you take on a project, what what's the thing that makes you say, yes, I am going to do this? So I kind of say that I'm a documentary filmmaker because my parents are immigrants and they're, they're Latinx immigrants. And for me, it's super important to be able to try and like more accurately tell Latinx stories because so often, especially like in fiction and also, honestly, in documentary, but there's a lot of, like, stereotyping and there's a lot of, uh, like, trauma that's being portrayed on the screen and a lot of kind of, you know, showing Latinx communities as victims or villains or, like, gangsters. For me, at least when it comes to documentary, it gives me a chance to portray what's more accurate, what I see in my community, which is, like, the beauty and the strength and really like the diversity. So when I'm kind of looking for a story, at least for now, I'm looking more at stories that kind of follow communities that I feel attached to. So like the community I'm working with right now is in South Philly and they're like predominantly um, like Mexican. I'm not Mexican, but for me, they're just so amazing. <laughs> like. I love going to, um, like, Ninth and Washington in Philly. That's, like, the most beautiful street because that's where all the, like, Latino stores are, like, the restaurants and everything. So I really, especially right now, I'm, like, drawn to places and projects that um, kind of remind me of my own kind of lived experiences, having immigrant parents and, um, and also, like, stories that are, that are kind of, 
about like strength rather than sadness or trying to find strength or you know something like that um especially since I'm like quite young in my career and still like kind of trying to figure out like what the next story will be but I know for now like I just really want to stick to something close to home I know the last time we spoke about you also mentioned that you're interested in spaces and spaces where where um, people can be themselves and tell their stories in spaces where, um, again, the community thrives and the portrayals are accurate and they feel that they're represented. Tell me a bit about the organization that you follow in the documentary Juntos and the PARS agreement. Yeah, so Juntos is a local Latinx immigrant rights organization. Um, they're based in South Philly, and so that's kind of the community that I'm working with, and they're really incredible. Juntos helps kind of, what they say is like pre-deportation, during deportation, and post-deportation. So pre-deportation would be like giving you resources, know your rights, training, letting you know what would happen like if ICE were to come. Um, during deportation is kind of tracking people through um, kind of the deportation pipeline, like being able to track people through the databases and get them in touch with lawyers. And then they say after deportation, as in like making sure that people, like your family members know where you are um, and that you can still get whatever help you need. So they kind of help throughout all kind of stages of the immigrant um, kind of experience. And uh, they're really incredible. They have a really strong community. And they also have, like, they also have a program for, like, youth leaders. It's, it's kind of about helping the entire family. Everything from, like, the parents to, like, the kids so that people can learn more about their rights and help protect themselves and their family. The PARS agreement it's really, uh, it's a contract that the city had for over 10 years that the police database would be shared with Immigration and Customs Enforcement. So despite being a sanctuary city for way less than 10 years, they had this agreement to share the police database. So all of the stuff with like ICE and containment and deportations, those were all things that were set up well before it became kind of national headlines. And before sanctuary cities were even a thing, really, like, this this agreement had been going on for so long. And the thing is that there was some, like, money exchange that went there. Um, wow. Like, they were getting some federal funding, but it was, like, not a lot. It was so insignificant that I, I just remember, I, I just remember being like, this is so, this is so little money for so many lives. Um, but pretty much through the information sharing, ICE had somebody who was kind of looking through the database and they would target you if you um, are from like a different country like let's let's say like Honduras I I don't know any any country Um, and you don't have a uh, social security number then they would assume that you are undocumented and then they would come get you or um, if they had your fingerprints from the border you were stopped at the border when you were coming in for whatever reason, um, they cross-reference those fingerprints and then they come get you. But the thing is that this this PARS, PARS is the Preliminary Arraignment Reporting System, which is um, just a police intake form. Mm-hmm. So really, like, if you kind of had any interactions with the police and they got all of your information, 
a lot of like the the reason why they would get your information is honestly because of DUIs. And DUIs, you know, maybe you were stopped and nothing really happened. So really, like if they got your information, you didn't necessarily commit a crime. You were not necessarily being even criminal or doing anything against the law, but because they they found out that you were undocumented, then they would come get you. So really, like this is a bigger issue of like uh, violating your human rights and your um, mm-hmm. your right to uh, being innocent before that you're innocent before proven guilty that you didn't have the opportunity to go and uh, go before a lawyer. So really, it was taking away a lot of rights that like we as citizens would have, um, like the ability to, you know, get legal representation before being detained in any way. Um, Like, people don't just get taken to prison Mm -hmm. if they get stopped by the police. But that's kind of what would happen with this. Honestly, this is all about, let's just treat everybody equally. Like, if a citizen has this right, so should somebody that lives here, regardless of whether or not they have the documentation to be here. Um, and it's, it also causes a lot of issues with, like, people that don't start, don't trust the police, and yes. rightly so. Some, sometimes people do need, even though I, I, I don't necessarily advocate for police, sometimes people do need those services, and so yes. those are the only services available sometimes, and you need to be able to use them, even if you are undocumented. So it, it was really causing a lot of issues, and now they're trying to figure out another way of, you know, trying to get people the services that the police offer while not having that interaction. Because, I mean, the thing is that police and ICE are very heavily linked. ICE sometimes dress up as police in order to detain you, or they imitate police. Sometimes mm. police work with ICE. And the prison system in the country is also super similar to the um, to the deportation system and the detention system in the U.S. Yes. Like, there's private prisons. It's like there's private detention centers. Juntos. The way that you were spoke, speaking about it, it seems like such a great overall program because there are different steps. There is the pre-deportation there and there is the deportation. And then what happens afterwards? Because I think a lot of people forget like once once uh, they are deported, what happens to the, those family? And then what happens to the folks that have to um, go, uh, go back or go for the first time to another country um, and the resources that they have there. But I wanted to, I wanted to ask really quickly, um, how forthcoming were the people with their stories? I mean, this is such a, some, for a long period of time, um, and, and probably even now with everything that you're talking about with how ICE works with the police, with this kind of like, um, fear that is being spread and misinformation, people are not willing or nor are they forthcoming with their stories or they want to share um, what they're going through. And I wanted to know from your perspective as like a documentarian going in and for people that probably are interested in this topic and want to do um, a film about this, one, how can they go about it without it being something exploitative? And then also how forthcoming were the folks um, that you met? Is it because they were they you met them through an organization that was already outspoken that you had 
a chance to sit down and 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 speak about them and they didn't mind being photographed and filmed or um were they a little bit shy at the beginning with you and then they kind of opened up so yeah i i mostly made sure that when i made this film i was super um transparent about everything that i was doing so like i first reached out to juntos and we had many conversations and i was just really honest with them about my intentions with the film and um being very clear about like if there's anything that you need me to to delete if you say something and you're like i regret this i will delete it if you tell me I'm talking about this, don't film it, I will stop filming. So I was really open with them, and I was very honest, because I didn't want there to be any, you know, like, they're watching the film, and they're like, why is this Or distrust, or distrust. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I just, I didn't, yeah, I didn't want there to be, like, any questions in the relationship, so I was very, like, open. Like, do you have any questions about me, about my background? Um, they met, like, my brother. They haven't met my mom yet. But the thing is, like, they, they like, got to know me pretty well. Um, and then that's when they kind of let me bring a camera into the first meeting that they had, their first community meeting that ended up being the first community meeting about the PARS contract. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so at the meeting, I introduced myself. I uh, handed out releases. And I also gave out, like, my personal contact info so I was like if you have any questions if you want to talk to me if you um want me to delete something that you said let me know but everybody was like everybody in the room signed the the release you know I was like shocked I was honestly shocked by how everybody just signed the release it seems like a story that was built together wasn't just you coming in with a camera but it's like they also wanted to probably participate and and help you and and help telling this story they were participants they were storytellers themselves Mm -hmm. not just you Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and I think going in with juntos and having their support was crucial like this film would not have been made if they didn't take kind of a risk on me um and letting me in but I also think it was just like I also think the community just wants to see their story being told. Yes. In an interview that you had, you said immigrants are not helpless. They are incredibly strong people. How do you think the media, both fiction and nonfiction, has either helped or hinder how everyone, even immigrants themselves, see immigration and undocumented people? I think uh, fiction and nonfiction films have been made by people with a lot of privilege who don't necessarily understand um, the immigrant experience. And I think because they don't understand the immigrant experience, they brought a lot of stereotypes into the portrayal of immigrants. Mm -hmm. And they're usually, they're all negative stereotypes, you know. Like if you're an immigrant, you're a narcotraficante, or, you know, or you're uneducated and you don't, you don't know things when that's absolutely not true. It's really like hindered how people see immigrants, um, especially given like the national political rhetoric around immigrants right now. That's super negative. And then you see in, in television all of these negative images. And so it's, it's like they're playing off of each other right now. At least that's how I see it. But, um, I think that 
there are a lot more um, like people of color, first generation, and, and like immigrants that are working on their own films that try and stop this portrayal. Mm-hmm. But I just think we don't get the same amount of recognition or opportunities or awareness. to get our viewpoint out there. Yeah. Exactly. This summer, um, I was watching the last season of a show that I liked, which is um, Orange is a New Black. And they had this entire storyline of um, these women that were being uh, held in a detention center, in an immigration detention center. And even though, yes, um, the stories were absolutely heartbreaking and at one point I had to, you know, turn it off and, and take some time because it really paralleled the news and, and how they were being taken in, the conditions that they were um, that they were in, how uh, they, they lacked information, they lacked even resources to gain their information. Um, some of them were not even, um, uh, they, they didn't speak the same language. I was telling you about how um, they did a great job at making sure that, um, they everybody understood that it wasn't just like a, a Latino issue, but this is like a, a global, like a national issue. And it involves um, a lot of people. It's not just people that speak Spanish, but there were folks there that didn't even speak Spanish and they couldn't even find a translator for them. So there were just like certain things like that that um, really hit me with that portrayal. Um, but I think what what they were trying to do or what they did right was making sure that there was hope they they were everybody had like a different outcome it wasn't just like a, a negative outcome for for everybody um but they everybody's story was extremely relatable because there were people that were here for a long time and that they were working and they didn't do anything wrong they were just detained somebody was at a at a club dancing and they didn't have an id and because they didn't have an id and they looked hispanic or latino um, they they were detained and they were sent uh, they were deported. Um, there were other folks that um, also something that kind of uh, touched me because I had a family member in a similar situation was that um, they were serving time for another like a federal or like another different crime federal time federal crime no wait they were serving time for a crime um and i didn't know this and i probably you know this now but um when you when you're an immigrant here and you don't you're not a citizen yet you when you commit a crime there's like two files that are submitted it was like a criminal case but then it also becomes an immigration case and she had to kind of battle both of them and that was something that was portrayed that i never i never saw on, on screen before um, and there was uh, a court full of children too, and this and there was a scene with um, with children being being asked certain questions that they didn't even know the answers to, and they didn't even have a lawyer. So there was just certain things that I felt that um, the show touched upon that people commented and said, you know what, this is the way that it is, or I can't believe I didn't know this before because a lot of people maybe don't even watch the news or don't even know where to watch like what what sources are real and whatnot but some people gravitate towards fictional and they think it's um something that's comfortable and not happening to them but it's it really got to me how accurate and how parallel it was to not only things that i was watching the news but things that i knew from my own experience or from people that i from people that have told me stories about it one of the last things i wanted to um talk about is the fact that you as a 
documentary filmmaker, you accomplished this not not just with um, Juntos and the folks that helped you out, but you also ran a very successful um, campaign um, for funds for the post-production of this film. Um, how hard was it and how can people still collaborate and, and help you? I know the the deadline was it had already passed, but there's um, a way for people to donate. So speak about that. Yeah, so um, we had a crowdfunding campaign to raise $10,000 to help us uh, complete the film. And so we, we reached our goal, and, um, and it's super exciting, and I can't wait to finish this film. We're thinking that it'll be done around like the end of the year, so like hopefully more like November than December, but we'll see. Um, yeah, but we, we raised like just enough to finish the film, so we're always looking for more funds. Um, and we have that on our website, expandingsanctuary.com. There's like a donate button. Um, but yeah, the crowdfunding campaign was one of the hardest things that I've ever done. I mean, every day I'd wake up and I'd refresh that page. And I'd refresh it more than once a day. I'd refresh it like every 10 minutes at work. Like it was very bad. Um, and I, I think definitely if you're going to do a crowdfunding campaign, you need to have a team. Because there's no way I could have raised that much money by myself. Like, I'm so thankful for everybody on my crew and also for Juntos who pushed it out quite a bit, um, trying to get funds. So really, like, I think, I think if you're going to do a crowdfunding campaign, make sure you have, like, multiple people that are going to be supporting you throughout the process. Like, I have, like, five people on my team and then I also have Juntos. So that's how we reached the 10000 because it was just me, impossible. Like, I would not have been able to raise that much money. But, um, yeah, it was, it was like, one of the hardest things I've ever done. But, yeah, we're always looking for other donations. And, you know, we just have a donate button on our website, standingsanctuary.com. Um, what is it that you hope to accomplish with with this documentary and and what do you want to add to the immigrant story that probably hasn't been told or hasn't been told accurately? Well, I really want people, well, my target audience for this film is immigrant, undocumented, or Latino communities. So I completely recognize that just because you're an immigrant does not mean that you are Latino. Latino and immigrant are not synonymous. They're not the same thing. And Latinidad is also not a, um, is not a monolith. There are different types of Latinos in our community. It's not just, you know, people that look like me, that are like mm -hmm. light brown and black hair and everything. No, like we are so diverse as a, as a community. And also immigrants are diverse. So immigrants are for, from all different countries. And I really want this one, even though it's in Spanish, even though it follows Latino immigrants, this same um, campaign could have happened with any community. It just happened mm -hmm. that, like, as you said, Latinos were the ones that had the resources to pull this off this time around. You know, but next yeah. time it could have been some other uh, um, community. And they also worked with different communities, too. They worked with, with a very large um, Asian community in Philly. And so it worked a lot with them as well. Um, so... Yeah, I really want 
people to be able to have access to this film. So I'm trying to find a way to do that. But I just want people to, to like learn about how they can find liberation. Like I want this film to be a guide for other communities that are experiencing a lot of the same issues. Because the thing is that this database sharing happens in every city in the country. It happens everywhere. And a lot of people don't know that it's happening. But if you look at the correlation between instances that people run into the police and then are then like deported or detained a few days later, yes, I'm sure that they will then realize it. But some people just don't, unless you, te- unless you say it, you kind of don't realize it. And so I really want other communities to see this film as a guide for how to end this sort of... Um, this sort of uh, sharing that's happening in their own city, because this is not just happening in Philly. Philly is one place of many places. Like right. Chicago just recently ended their sharing of the police database. So this happens everywhere. And we also have no idea what ICE has access to because they also have access to federal databases. Yeah. So knowing your rights, knowing your... Um, knowing the systems that are affecting you, the systems of policing that are affecting you, um, I think are very important. And I hope that viewers, whoever ends up seeing this film, ends up realizing what is kind of going on around them. Because sometimes you just, it's so difficult to understand what's happening because you can't visually see it. You just know that there's, you know, the sharing going on. What does that mean? But um, I think when you realize what the results are, then um, then you can kind of figure out a way for how to liberate your own community. Yeah, definitely. And I think even for um, other folks like like myself, like I, I'm an immigrant, but I'm I'm a citizen, and also um, puts me in the perspective of like, hey, if I have this knowledge or if I have this this privilege, how can I be of service to others? Sim- uh, similarly to to you, how you use your platform for this cause um, and for just to bring awareness. Like I, for example, didn't know that that happened in sanctuary cities or that it could happen in a sanctuary city, um, the, the the sharing of information. I didn't know that. So um, to, to bring awareness is definitely um, like for me, the, the, the main thing. Um, but where can people find the rest of your work? Um, if you want to look at my work, you can check out my website. It's Crystal Sotomayor, uh, com. So my name is spelled a little bit weird. It's like K-R-I-S-P-A-L. <laughs> and Sotomayor, you know, like the Supreme Court Justice. So <laughs> Yes, definitely. And yeah. I'll, put the, I'll put the link down below um, to, to look at the rest of the stories that, that you've told. And um, I'm so happy that um, you came on the show and you, you spoke about your work because this is something that you started actually you spoke about it before you spoke about it when we were doing um the scary stories from latin america how you were planning on doing something with this community but you didn't know what and now you found um a great organization to work with and um you are doing your crowdfunding you're doing all your work and i'm so very proud of you um for all the work that you're doing um, for saying for you know like sticking to it because it, it could be very um, daunting and difficult and and heavy the subject itself and with everything that is happening in the news sometimes you you just 
you can get discouraged. Um, so I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show and, and giving me your time and speaking about something that really matters to you, but that could also affect um, a whole community. Um, any last words? Um, not really. Um, thank you so much, Maggie, for having me on. I'm like so excited to be on again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you guys for listening. And um, as you guys know, Mixing Up with Maggie, this is our fourth season. We have TV TV that made us in season three. And I'm going to put the links down below to all of the all of the resources if you guys want to uh, donate to the film um, and follow uh, Crystal's work and learn more about this documentary and um, what is happening in cities like Philadelphia. But I want to thank everybody for listening once again and stick around because we have more of Mixing Up with Maggie. (laughs) 